Okay, so we're on session five of the Joy of the Lord series. We're basing it on Nehemiah 8 and verse 10, which is the joy of the Lord is your strength. And just looked into the whole concept. I won't go over what we said. They're out there on podcasts. Just go onto our website or onto a podcast app and type in Kesed Church. You can find them. But God's been doing some great stuff. And it's really with the theme that whatever you feed grows. And so if you're going to feed negativity in your life, and I believe we live in a society that does that, negativity is going to grow and reap its fruit in your life. But how about if as a church in God's house, we go counterculture and start feeding the good stuff? So how about we start looking at and feeding joy? And so in doing that, you can fully expect to reap the fruit of that and you will become more joyful, you'll become more attractive and people want to be a bit more like you and it all started with Jesus. So therefore, in being joyful, you're promoting Jesus. It seems simple, but so often we find that hard to do. We're a gang of people encouraging each other. They say, come on, there is laughter. Were you here in the evening service when we did the no laugh challenge? Give me a wave. Oh, so funny. We had a couple of guys up here and telling each other jokes and they weren't allowed to laugh. But you know what? There was so much laughter. It's good to laugh. I think science even proves, scientifically proves, that laughter is good for you. It's funny, I was having a chat with someone earlier in the week, and we're quite a huggy church. And it's really not British at all to have a hug. And, you know, it's young people come in, or old people come in, and all oh, go and hug your neighbor, and they're like, stiffest hug ever. <laughs> the classic Christian side hug. We had a thing where we always used to say, hug to the left. So as you go in, you, you put your head left. And if you both do it, otherwise you'll end up with that awkward snog. But science also proves that hugging releases the good stuff inside of you. And so shouldn't we be a bunch of people that actually can embrace some of that? Because I believe when we get to heaven, and we will, that we're not going to be all like, oh, hello, nice to meet you. Oh, wasn't it good down there? It's going to be like, yes, come on. I want to see heaven on earth now. And if that simple act can just help that, let's do that. How about right now, get out of your seat and go and hug someone. Just go, so cool you're here. Come on, break out yourselves. Let's be that church that embraces heaven. See, look at the laughter already. People are talking to each other. There's a smile. There's not one grumpy face in the room. Let's focus on some joy. Uh, you know, as I prepare these messages, you know, I take them more and more seriously because when you analyze your life, you want it to count for something, don't you? You know, at the end of it all, when you're in your later seasons, you don't want to look back and think, I missed it. You don't want to look back and think, I could have made it count for more. And there are loads and loads of people in this room right now where if you'll get serious about who you are and who you represent, you can genuinely make a difference. And at the end of it all, you will look back and you go, yes, I gave it my best shot. And sometimes I feel like in this environment where we just look into God's word, it's the best place to say, I want to live like that. And if I live like that, I will look back with no regrets. And I'm sure we'll all stuff up along the way because we're people. But how about we give God our full attention and do our very best and cheer each other on in that so that when we look back, we can leave a legacy. And one of the things I love about planting this church is that our children are growing up in it. And they're going to go further than us. 
you know, the kingdom is in good hands because we're getting some warriors in the house who are four years old and six years old and 10 years old and 13 years old. So, so good. We're leaving something behind us because we're pushing through. I am standing on the shoulders of what my parents fought for. You know, they fought for some stuff and they got a long way. But now they're saying, go on, Barry, up you go. And one day I'm going to say, go on, Josh, go on, Evie, up you go. The kingdom is advancing because we're standing for something. And how about we start looking at our lives and having a look and say, God, search me. What are the areas in my life where you need to shift something so that I could be the best version of myself? And so I want to look at some of that stuff. Uh, it's, it's Valentine's Day on Wednesday. And traditionally, probably most churches today are giving some kind of romantic love kind of message. But I didn't feel to do that. But I do want to talk about this. I do want to talk about acceptance. I do want to talk about relationships on the mass. And my title today is The Joy of the Lord, Part 5. What happened along the way? And it was interesting the way God led us to pray during the service that people go through some stuff. And if you go through some stuff and it impacts you in a negative way, are you able to then step into a relationship of any kind? Friendship, church, family, business, romance, as a whole person, or is it impacting that and therefore stealing your joy? So the question today is, what happened along the way? God made us for relationships. We were born into family. You will all have a surname and your family will have a surname. He made us that way and we embrace family and love it. Good, bad and ugly of it all. We're family and God made it like that. And yet some people say, oh, you know, I'm not really big on me. I don't have to be long. I'm all right. I, I don't really care. And I think men in particular are like this. And it's those same men who say things like that that will be walking around the high street on a Saturday in an Arsenal shirt, a Manchester United shirt, a Chelsea shirt, a Liverpool shirt. Because actually, they do want to belong. They belong to a community that supports their team. There was the rugby yesterday. I'm preaching in Wales next week. And England beat Wales at rugby yesterday. And that's their number one sport. So we're even better than them at their number one sport. And, and so it's that whole sense of this, oh, I'm English. It's a community. I belong to something. And we want to belong to something. So if anyone fancies buying me an England rugby shirt during the week, I'll wear it to preach in next week. <laughs> the Lord is my protection. He's my strong tower. And I'm really fast. <laughs> It makes me laugh that, you know, back at school, for those of you who might have been a long time ago, you probably ran your school, I hate school, I hate this teacher, this other thing. But if someone talked your school down, suddenly your school was the best school in the world. How dare you? I used to go to a school called Highland School in Chelmsford, and we had this sort of standoff with a school called Molsham. And often, a gang of Molsham people would turn up at the park and confront a gang of Highlands people. Now, these people didn't really know each other, probably didn't even like each other, and probably hated their school. But because we were part of the school, we became a community, and we stand together. My point being that when someone attacks the community you belong to, you actually love belonging to it, which says we all want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. I believe that's how gang culture works. The young men and young women get involved in a gang because they want to belong to something. It's a place they feel accepted, and actually they're prepared to do outrageous things to belong to that. You know, these initiations, they're prepared to stab someone. They're prepared to sleep with someone. They're prepared to disown their family. They're prepared to move location because they want to belong. 
And ultimately, people can be tough as you like, but every single one of us wants to belong to something outside of ourselves because God made us that way. And so there is something in us that wants to belong, but have things happened along the way that prevent you from belonging or are affecting your belonging in a negative sense? You know, if these gang members are prepared to do all kinds of stuff to belong, it begs this question, what would you do to belong? Or, what have you done to belong? Consider the crowd at Jesus' trial. They had two options. Jesus, literally done nothing wrong. Or Barabbas, known murderer. And the crowd. And so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law get alongside all the crowd and they're saying, vote for Barabbas, vote for Barabbas, vote for Barabbas. Now, if someone said to you, vote for Barabbas, what are you thinking? Really? But then the person in front of you says, I'm going to vote for Barabbas. Then the person next to you says, I'm voting for Barabbas. Then the person behind you says, they've just given me a tenner. I'm blatantly voting for Barabbas. And before you know it, there's a crowd around you voting for Barabbas. And all of a sudden, the vote comes, and what do you do? Barabbas! Suddenly, because you want to belong, you shift your whole stance and start cheering for the murderer. And I think sometimes we think, no, that wouldn't happen to me, but it happened to the crowd, and I think the crowd is representative of me and you. And I wonder if that is true in life today, that you find yourself part of something that maybe you don't even believe in because you want to belong. And you've made choices along the way for one reason or another, and you find yourself belonging in a place you shouldn't belong. And God's saying to you today, what's happened along the way? Are you happy with who you are, who you're hanging out with, what your life's about? At the end of it all, are you going to look back and go, I did my very best? Because when you start stepping into who God made you, there is joy attached to it. And that is what we're focusing on. You saw on church news that we're going through our, our church values in our vision nights, and I do encourage you to come last Wednesday of the month. But one of our values is community. And I love this idea of community because it's belonging to a bunch of people who believe in pulling heaven down to earth now. That's really easy to belong to. You see, what we're not trying to do is make a bunch of clones. We're not trying to make loads of people into Barry and Sarah Roberts, or Ingrid Metzmeyer, or Io Showway Mimo. They call him Mr. Show at school. Jazz hands. But we're not about cloning each other. We're about celebrating our differences, but being able to be part of something that we believe in. But more than that, you don't have to believe in everything I believe in to belong here. I like the idea of you can belong before you believe. You see, so you can come into an, a, a group like this who believe in bringing heaven to earth right now and go, I love this. I'm not sure how I feel about all the, the, the theology of it all yet, but I, I love it here. Well, you belong. This is my hope, though. My hope is that anyone who hangs out with the Kessa community long enough will see Jesus as so attractive that they will want to invite him into their heart. And so you can belong here before you believe, but inevitably, because of who we represent, you will find yourself believing. And I'm happy for the journey to go. And so it doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, what you think, how you feel about anything, you belong here. And so we can be a community that embraces that. I like this idea of we don't try to change each other. How many people belong to a group of friends or a workplace or a church 
They're just trying to change you. And just like, God, but I'm happy being me. Well, do you know what? In this church, be you. I'm not trying to change you, but this is what I will do. I'll keep pointing you to Jesus. Because we can all agree that we want to be a little bit more like him. So we can point each other there. And as we get into a relationship with Jesus, do you know what happens? We begin to develop the fruits of the Spirit. And they're character traits that I believe we can all agree on. Let's have a look at them. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We agree with all of those, don't we? Wouldn't it be great if in our relationship with Jesus we became a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more like that? We can all agree with that. That allows for diversity. You might be into dance. You might be into sport. You might be into science. You might be into art. You might be a great mum or a great father. You might have no children. All of that is great, the diversity in it. But as we pursue Jesus, we develop these character traits. And who knows it's really great to hang around someone who's full of love. Who knows it's really great to hang around with someone who's just patient, even though you know you're really annoying. But they've developed this trait in them by hanging out with Jesus, cheered on by a community of believers that says, I am supernaturally patient. You can annoy me and annoy me and annoy me, but I'm going to give you another chance and another chance and another chance. And what happens in that? You feel accepted. And you feel part of something. And you start saying, you're attractive to me. I want some of that. And in that inclusion, people are meeting Jesus. And that's what I want to see more than anything. Wouldn't it be cool if, you know, we had a bunch of people who were gentle? You know, so we live in a world that is so harsh. And we all mess it up. But wouldn't it be cool if someone says, it's all right, you've done your best. Pick yourself up. I'll stand with you next time. Let's go through this together. And we develop these character traits which scream of heaven on earth in a community of believers who are all on their journey and yet all of us different. And it's good. So you don't have to be like me. Praise the Lord. You can be like you. But we can all be like that. Together and cheer each other along. I want to say this. In God's house, you belong. You belong. You belong here. No matter where you are on a journey, whether you've never been to church or you're not even sure you believe in God, whether you're full of the Holy Spirit and, and ministering in your gifts, wherever you're standing it or you belong here. Oh, I don't know if you've seen our bus, but we've had it logoed up and it's, it's really cool. And, but we put on there, come as you are. And we did steal it totally from Hillsong because they just do stuff well. But come as you are. I wonder how many people don't come to church because they feel like they wouldn't fit in. They're not sure what to wear. They're not sure if they'll understand the language. They're not sure what the age group looks like. They're not sure if they know enough about God. They don't even know if they've read the Bible. They just feel like, oh, I couldn't go there. But we say, just come. Because you belong here. We want to be a bunch of people that exist for the people who aren't yet in church. Equipping the saints, encouraging each other, spurring each other on, but fully embracing and welcoming anyone, no matter where they're at. Because people want to belong. Here's some truth. All of us, all of us, along the way, we'll have changed some stuff about ourselves. Because we're people. And we want to fit in. And we want to belong. So today, my question to you, 
is how much have you changed? And are you happy with that? And on reflection, are you today who you hoped you'd be? Because if you're not, Jesus is here. And if you are, I celebrate with you. But let's keep pursuing that. And it's a great question. I want to look at the life of Zacchaeus a little bit. It's just 10 verses in Luke. And I think it opens up a whole bunch of stuff in terms of his journey. Let's read it together. Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. Probably most, most of you will be familiar with this story. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man, speaking of himself, came to seek and save what was lost. Uh, just a, a great picture right here. And one of the reasons I wanted to pick on Zacchaeus is because he wasn't struggling in life. Sometimes I feel like church messages are always aimed at the people who are really having a difficult time. And the truth is, we will all have difficult times and there are some people who are, seem to live in a perpetual difficult time. But the gospel message in Jesus isn't only for people who are struggling. Here's this man. Super rich, wealthy, living in the lap of luxury, enjoying all the trappings that success brings. But despite this, was he happy with where he came to? And I want to suggest that he's not, and I'll tell you why. Because when Jesus came, he was willing and eager to stop the busyness of his life, the making more money, because he wanted to see what this Jesus was about. So there was something in Zacchaeus in this moment that wasn't satisfied, that wasn't met, that was making him unhappy. And he said, I need to see what this Jesus is about. Do you see what's happening here? So he had to go out and check out what was going on with him. Now, we don't have much background on, on Zacchaeus, but I think we can come to some good conclusions. I think we can come to the conclusion that he was born into and brought up into education that he would have gone and studied to become a tax collector. I think we can assume that he hang around with wealthy people. That was his peer group. That's who he used to hang with. And so in living in those environments, how did that affect who he became? Did belonging to that crowd do something to what was going on the inside of Zacchaeus? Was belonging to the crowd who he was, or was belonging to the crowd what he'd become? And so here's this time when Jesus steps up. Was he trying to be accepted by doing what the crowd did? Can you imagine the tax collectors there after work, going out for their drink? Oh, that's great today. They only had 1,000, but I took 1,200. 200 from me. Oh, yeah, good. Oh, I did it too. It was brilliant, yeah. I only did 100 today, but tomorrow I'll try and get 300. Yes, yeah, so I will be even. It's great. And it's here tomorrow. Can you imagine the conversation? 
that it perpetuates that one's doing it, so another one does it, and then another one does it, and then they start celebrating who's doing it the most. I'm cheating more than you are, and I'm getting rich of it. Ha <laughs> ha, shove everyone else. We're a community. Was that who he was, or was that what he'd become by being part of that community? Was any of it his fault? He was born into that crowd, quite probably. He was a clever man. Something was unsettled in Zacchaeus. Something so much so that in being accepted into the tax collector community, he'd been rejected by the wider community. He was isolated. He was hated. He was alone. I want to suggest he was actually unhappy. And yet he had the trappings of success. And so many of us, I'm sure, look at you know, the celebrity culture, the millionaires and the successful people, and go, I wish we had what they had. But he had this, and yet was isolated and unhappy. So I want to say, if you want to be rich, go for it. But it doesn't guarantee you happiness. That's not the goal. The goal is to be like Jesus. Who is it we're trying to connect with? Who is it we're trying to belong with? And I love this. Enter Jesus. And he comes. And the crowd starts to mutter. He's talking to a sinner. You see, but what does Jesus do? He stops and speaks to the very person that the crowd who accept Jesus don't want him to talk to. And I personally find that a challenge as a church leader. Who is it we're not including? Because they're that type of person. And yet, always, they're the people that Jesus stopped for. Always. You analyze the people he stopped for, and they're all the people that we probably find it very hard to stop for. And yet, he stopped for him. And I love what happens here. Jesus only said this, I want to come and have a meal with you. That's all he said. Nothing else. But I believe this is what happened in Zacchaeus' life. He looked down into the eyes of Jesus. And when he looked down into the eyes of Jesus, he looked into love personified. He looked into amazing grace. He looked into grace and favor. He looked into forgiveness. And all Jesus said was, can I come and eat with you? But something went off in Zacchaeus' heart. And I believe what it was, was that Jesus was drawing out of him who he really was from the beginning. You see, this is who he was, but he had become this to fit into the community. Can I suggest the wrong community? And Jesus said, can I eat with you? And his response is, I'm going to give half of my stuff away to the poor. Jesus didn't ask him to do that. If I've cheated anyone... I'm going to give him back four times. Jesus just said, can I eat some food with you? But in that moment, in the looking into Jesus' eyes, the true Zacchaeus rose up. It was always there. It was always who he was supposed to be. But he had changed who he was to fit into a community and it had self-perpetuated and got out of control. But one look into the eyes of Jesus brought out who he really was. True acceptance allows you to be the real you. Shouldn't we be a community that perpetuates true acceptance? I don't know who might walk in next week, but I hope we accept them. And I hope we don't try to change them. I hope we just point them to Jesus. I hope we, as a group, can demonstrate what Jesus looks like to people. Because Jesus didn't say to Zacchaeus, you're a cheat, you're a thief, you've stolen some stuff, you need to sort your life out. He said this, can I come and eat with you? 
You see, we go about our business trying to change people and we just need to love some people because the Holy Spirit at work in us does exactly what Jesus did there. One look into the eyes of acceptance. I'm going to sort my life out. Why have I ended up in this place? I am unhappy. I wonder, and it doesn't say it, but I wonder in giving back four times what he had stolen, whether he suddenly became from the least popular to the most popular. I wonder how many mates Zacchaeus had after this incident. And that begs the question, doesn't it? If we have an encounter looking into the eyes of Jesus, I wonder if our popularity shoots up. I wonder if we're a more desirable friend. Because we said, Jesus, just search my heart. I want to belong to a crowd of people that cheers me on and that I can cheer them on. And we do it together. Zacchaeus was lost and he found himself in Jesus. And I love this. And it's just as I read around it, I hadn't, I hadn't clicked on this. But Zacchaeus was the last person Jesus ministered to before he went to die. The last thing. Now, I believe Jesus didn't do anything by accident. And so often, if you're a writer, and I know we've got some great writers in the room, you know that the last thing you say is important. And so the last person Jesus ministered to before he went to be crucified was someone who didn't fit in, was someone who was judged, was someone who had found themselves in a pickle. And he said in that position, but I came to find what was lost and save it. And saving does in our context, we believe when you're saved, you go to heaven. But salvation is an ongoing process too. It's releasing you from what holds you back. I believe so many of us are held in life and Jesus is continually saving us. Yes, if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and you invite him into your heart, you will go to heaven so you're saved. But you are continually being saved because we're not yet Jesus. And so here's the Jesus going to this man, his last call before he goes to the cross. And he stops and says, I want to eat with you because you're marginalized. You found yourself in a mess. And I love you too much to walk past. And in doing that, the true Zacchaeus, the Zacchaeus that God made in the womb and crafted him and put into him skills and talents, an ability for relationship, a hope in his heart. It was all there. Jesus knew it. And it was swamped by this desire to be accepted. And yet he looked at him and up it rose. I'm going to give it back. Because always in there was a kind, loving, generous man. And Jesus just said, I'm going to give you some time. And I wonder how many kind, generous, loving people are in our lives who right now are greedy and thieving and struggling and unhappy. And what they really need isn't to be told that they're thieving, greeting, greeting? Stealing unhappy. They need to be told that they're accepted. They need to be told there's a God in heaven who loves them. And they needed to be demonstrated to them consistently. And I believe the real person in there will rise to the top. It begs lots of questions for us. Are you today who you hoped you'd be? Have you compromised along the way in order to be accepted? And this is where the title came from. What has happened along the way for you? Do you need to look into the eyes of Jesus today? Because I believe there's a room full here right now with people at all kinds of different stages on that journey. But if we would all take a moment to say, Jesus, I'm just looking at you. Draw out of me the person you created. I've 
made this decision. I've ended up in this group of people and I'm trying to be this and I just want to be me. And he will say, yeah, but I love you. You be you. And up will come that loving, generous, soft-hearted, go-getting, amazing person, gifted that you are, will rise up in you. But it might mean making some big calls in your life. It might mean stepping away from some relationships. People don't like change. But I know this. God loves you just as you are right now. Wherever you are in life, whatever struggle you've got against, God loves you. But he loves you so much that he's fully committed to transforming you to be the best version of you. Because he wants you to end up in that place. I want to say that when you start living out who you really are, fully accepted and loved by Christ, fully accepted in a community of people, that is where you'll experience the most joy. Because otherwise, we're trying to experience joy while being someone we're not. We're trying to experience joy while trying to fit in with a crowd. And Jesus is stopping on his journey to the cross and saying, can I have a meal with you? And it will pull out of you who you really are. I believe there's people in this room right now who have just got yourself stuck somewhere in it all. And God brought you today to hear a Bible-based message to say you're better than this. There's something more in you. And let's make tomorrow better than yesterday. And let's go three years' time and look back and go, I'm glad I made a decision. And let's go 10 years down the line and look back and go, I've actually made a difference. And I'm so glad I made some big calls in my life and transform myself and agree with Jesus and allow him to save me. Psalm 37, 4 says this. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, it starts with getting our eyes on Jesus. You see, here is Zacchaeus, this man who has the trappings of worldly success. But when he looked at Jesus, delighted in Jesus, Jesus brought out what was really in his heart. And it wasn't to be rich and successful. It was to be generous and kind and accepted and included. That was the desire of his heart. But it was swamped by these fake desires. So I wonder, church, what actually is your desire? What is it you want to be remembered for? What is it all when one day you're breathing your final breath and you look back and say, did I do what I hoped to do? Did I get where I hope to get? And I know where it will start for you this morning. When you take delight in the Lord. When you give Jesus your full attention, he will pull out of you what's always been there. It brings freedom. And I love this concept that I believe freed people free people. On the one hand, anyone can help someone. But if you are running in freedom, your life becomes attractive. If you're running in freedom and you've got your eyes on Jesus, he can empower you from heaven to do what you can't do on your own. And so when you come into contact with someone and you can see they're bound up in life, whether that's physically they're in slavery or, or actually they're just bound up with circumstance and decisions they've made and relationships they've found themselves in, freed people can free people. Because Jesus came to seek and save what was lost. And there will be people in your world who are lost right now and they need your freedom to get them free. And so you represent Jesus in their environment. You come and come, you come and there's more for you. I can see more in you than that. I wonder if there needs to be a new anointing in the church. An anointing to have a conversation with someone is freedom to them. And it's not a conversation of judgment. It's a conversation of love. It says, what's, what's really your dream? You've ended up in this relationship. Is that what you really want? How do you really feel? Not to say, I don't agree with it, but just to help them. Maybe they're happy. But you, I, you will know someone. 
I bet there's someone on your mind right now. You will know someone who you're thinking, yeah, go help them. Go and be Jesus. Go and stop on your journey and say, can I have a meal with you? And the meal can represent a whole bunch of things. Doing some life together. Stopping and chewing it all over. Spending time. Done in the crowd. People have an opinion on me. But you know what? I'm giving time to you. Let's represent Jesus. Can we be a group of people that doesn't tell everyone how they need to change, but just points them to Jesus? Because Jesus will cause people to change. If, if you found yourself in a place where you're not happy, I want to encourage you with this. Jesus believed in you enough to die for you. Do you believe in you enough to become authentic? Because if Jesus died for me, I'm worth fighting for. If Jesus died for you, you're worth fighting for. And I hope there are people in your world that will fight for you, but how greater thing than to start fighting for yourself? To start saying, no, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to have those conversations anymore. I don't want to live like that anymore. I don't want to hang around with those people anymore. They're pulling me down. And yet I want the joy of the Lord to rise up in me. And that might mean me making some big decisions. But I'm going to do it while focused on Jesus. And I know this, I know this, I know this. There are a gang of people here right now who will cheer you on every step of the way. So that there's freedom in the house. Now, wouldn't it be great if we turned up next week and when the worship goes off and you see, and we love, love, I love that we're in a church where the children enjoy being here. And they come at the front and they're giving it some praise. All of this. I said, I've got to have me one move, so I was pulling it right out of the bag. But the reason we're praising exuberantly is because we're being set free on the journey. Not that we're trying to drum something up, but I am actually so happy to be here because Jesus is doing something in my life and I'm going to praise him. You see, the trouble is we just plod on in life and don't challenge ourselves to be a better version of ourselves and don't engage with Jesus. And we get into a church environment and we see other people praising and we're like, oh, that's all right. But the reason we're not all praising is because we're not embracing the freedom that Jesus brings to us. And then when we get into that place of freedom, we're like, I don't give two hoots what people think. Jesus is in the house. And I'm going to praise him. And in delighting in him, he will give you the desires of your heart. And that is a place of joy. I like the idea that there is pain in rejection. No one loves rejection. Rejection is an awful thing. But is the pain of being rejected from an existing group less painful than the joy of being fully accepted by Jesus? Is that less difficult than the joy of being able to step into godly relationships that are going to promote life to you? Isn't it time we reflected on who we're hanging with, how we're hanging, how we're doing life, what we're standing for, and to start saying, Jesus, I've got to give you my full attention because I'm accepted in the house for who I really am. And I don't have to pretend to be anything. I guess in rounding it all up, that the joy comes in the freedom of being you. Because, you know, I've enjoyed talking about joy and we'll talk about it some more. You know, we've analysed it all and looking at the joy of the Lord is my strength, realising that the joy of the Lord is actually you. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And you think, wow, the man sweated blood. How anxious do you have to be to sweat blood? 
but what motivated him was joy. And that joy is that maybe, just maybe, just maybe, in the year 2018, you'd be sat in church. And by getting to the cross, he gives the potential of a relationship with you. And that right there was enough for him to go through the agony of it all. That one day, just one day, just one day, you might say, Jesus, I want to engage with you. So the joy of the Lord is you. And so you start thinking, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And his strength, his joy is in me. And so as I become me, it's going to strengthen me and it's going to cause joy. And there's this perpetual circle of joy and acceptance and being you and not being someone else. And God delighting in you and you delighting in him. And in it all, it's just good stuff. And we muddy the waters by listening to everyone else's opinion. And we muddy the waters by hanging out in the wrong group just because we want to belong to something. And yet I want to say the most important thing you could ever belong to is a community of believers who will cheer you on for being who you are. And in it all, Jesus gets glorified. We laugh a little bit more. There's a bit more freedom. And in our freedom, we can help other people get freed. And I think if a church actually lived like that, this town will be different. And that's what I want to see. I hope it's what you want to see. That you then, in your freedom and acceptance of being you, you then become part of the solution to all the struggles in our town. That you can go out and chat to someone who's having a difficult time. You can chat with your neighbor, your work colleague, your social friend, whatever it might be, from a place of freedom and acceptance and help them into a place of freedom and acceptance. And yet Jesus is in it all, saying, go speak to them. Go and include them. Go and invite them. They belong. And I died for them. And my motivation in it all was that I just wanted that relationship. That's what I made you for. I just wonder if you'd stand with me. I'd love to pray. just close our eyes again if you're willing let's just do some business with heaven Lord it's just a privilege to have a revelation that your joy is us and yet we acknowledge the struggle so often of being true to being us trying to be someone else to fit in compromising who we are in all kinds of situations and I just know Father that's impacting our joy because we're not free and Lord it's a great desire of mine to see joy rise up in your house because people are being authentic people are embracing who you made us to be we're not trying to be something else to fit in we're just being us and it's releasing and it causes us to smile and it causes us to be thankful it causes us to bow the knee to your kingship so Lord God I just want to lift up every amazing person here today 
and speak joy over you. Just with every eye closed, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. And it's not everything to respond. Maybe God's doing stuff in your heart. But sometimes I think there's a, a response just confirms something in you and declares something to heaven. And it's just a helpful moment. So if you're someone today who feels like you've compromised who you really are to fit in somewhere, and you feel like you totally relate to, I need to look into the eyes of Jesus because I want to be the authentic me. If that's you today, give me a wave. I'm going to pray with you. Bless you there. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you that you're moving in so many lives today. I know all heaven rejoices as people get free. And so I speak freedom over your church in Jesus' name. Take a moment to look into his eyes. Because do you know what? He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. He wants to have a meal of life with you. Be free. Be free. Be free indeed. Be brave enough to make the decisions you need to make to shift your circumstance. Let the joy of the Lord motivate you and give you strength. And we look forward to celebrating with you as your freedom comes. Lord, for everyone else, Lord God, I just pray that we would continue to make great choices on who we want to belong with. Put us in the right communities, Jesus, where we can be encouraged, but where we can also encourage, where we can make a difference where we can bring freedom. But Lord, most of all, I pray, Father, that you would help us to accept ourselves. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Created with purpose. Full of hope. Made for relationship. Perfect.